Hey there, welcome to the Achievers Way podcast. My name is Isia Reitzema. The Achievers Way is a conversational podcast that chronicles the journey and sheds a spotlight on successful expatriates, successful business professionals of immigrant background. Our guest today is OCU KJ, an award-winning actor and musician active in both Hollywood and Nollywood. Widely recognized as one of Nigeria's most established actors, he has featured in several films locally and internationally. He's a recipient of six African awards and has featured in several award-winning films, including Two Brides and a Baby and Half of a Yellow Sun. Born in Nigeria, Osi has an established career in Nigeria and Canada in the entertainment industry. So the word coincidental, I think that might be the word. Because again, you know, like I told you in the beginning, I always wanted an international career. Yeah. But I honestly did not know what that looked like. You know, it's interesting that I think out of all the people that I've been in a serious relationship with, and I guess in terms of whether it is price points, value of currency, all these things make a difference. And the reason I say that is, as an actor back home, if I made some money from a gig, Hi, Osi. How are you doing? Is Thank you. you for joining us. Thank you very much <laughs> for having me. Oh, my God. I think I have an idea where to start. And I just want this to be very conversational when we're just just in. Okay. But two things that I really want to touch on, which is something we both have, is that we both relocated after establishing some kind of solid career back home uh -huh. and we've all relocated in our 30s which is considered <laughs> you know <laughs> you know ancient age by, by most yeah and having to start afresh yeah. and pay your dues yeah. again in a new place with mm. people that didn't grow with you first question is could you give us some insight into your background or childhood something that you believe led the way for you to become the actor you are today or the person you are today? Right. Well, I'll be honest with you, I really think that as far as it goes with acting specifically, I think I stumbled yeah. on that. And stumbled on it, but I guess holistically, I was kind of always edging, you know, in that direction. From very little, I kind of, I didn't know I was a singer, but apparently everybody knew I was a singer. So yeah. the singing aspect was, you know, locked down. And then... I did that for a very long time before I got into uni and then got into yeah. University of Lagos. And yeah. then, you know, fellowship on campus. I was working with, you know, we were, we had a music group. We used to get all these invitations around and stuff, you know. And then I guess from there, you know, this organization, Rhythm of the Black Band, saw me, invited me to, you know, jump on the play that they were doing at the time, which we ran for like four, five years, different plays during that period. But it was yeah. meeting who was in charge of that, that sort of, you know, formed everything in my mind. His name is Dozia Tui. So tomorrow, still the one person who pointed it out to me clearly says, look, you know how to act, you know how to sing, you, know, you have good communication skills, you're great looking. These are the elements you need to be in this business. I'm just like, oh, okay. You know, nobody had ever told it to me like that before, you know, and that sort of set the ball rolling for everything. This was year two of, you know, University of Lagos. So this is way back 2002, basically, you know. And so that sort of set me up into understanding, okay, 
people are telling me I can do this acting thing. By my third year, I came to accept it. And this was me now looking for how do I go mainstream with this. And so finished school, did a reality TV show, won the reality TV show in 2005. And then this is now like, okay, so how do we go mainstream? And I guess I've been chasing it from then. It's like, I knew, okay, yeah, I think part of the things, and this will lead up into why we've landed abroad. In 2008, I believe, first time ever that I traveled out of Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Peace, I am Osigwe, God rest her soul. She just died, if I'm not mistaken, two weeks ago or so. She put me on a plane to Berlin to the film festival. It was the first time I'd ever been out of Nigeria. It was the first time you know, I'd been to a film festival and it was the first time I had seen film done or talked about or attended to the way they were. I was just like, what manner of heaven is this like <laughs> who does this like how are there yeah. people in the world who are taking film like this and i'm telling you so that changed my mind completely and i think from then on i decided that i wanted an international career now i didn't know what that meant i just knew that you know i want an international career where it's like sha they say it's abroad this thing is shaking <laughs> we're gonna go there and look for where it's <laughs> And we are going to shake it too. And we are going to shake it too. So that was the whole, you know, that's, I think that's the point where, you know, that sort of changed a lot of things for me in terms of where I kind of saw where my career was going to go. But like I said, at the point, I didn't know what that meant. I just, you know, assumed I'd be in Nigeria and international will rub on my body and, you know, (laughs) but no. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where things kick off. I think it's always amazing to have those people in our lives who see us before we see us. Yes, it is. And it is really amazing. And they're very integral in helping you shape a future that is in line with who you are <laughs> while you're still distracted by everything you could be. Listen, listen, it is crazy that this happened because, you know, for me, I think it is an important part of, you know, this, the pursuits we have in life that you always remember to say a proper thank you to those people, you know? Yeah. And, and that's why it is so painful to me that, you know, peace passed on before. I feel like I had the opportunity to say, you have no idea what you did for me in my life. Like, you have yeah. no idea how you set me on a path, you know? Thankfully, Dozier is still around, yeah. you know? So there is time. And, you know, he knows it by words, but I don't think that is sufficient. I think that, you know, yeah. the same way that George Clooney called 10 of his friends and give them a million dollars each. Just thank you for being my friends over the years. It would be nice to do stuff like that. You know what I mean? It would be very nice. It would be very nice to say, look, you set me on the right path. I appreciate you for that. So you're right. Quite agree. I think I want to go just a little step further back. Okay. What was going through your mind the first time you held a script? (laughs) (laughs) And should I say when you were reading through (laughs) time to actually perform and you had what was going through your mind like i think because we see actors and we see you guys as you know phenomenally talented heard you deliver your lines with such excellence and we're like oh my god like we we lose ourselves watching you like we don't even remember that this is something that is being acted out but 
you <laughs> have held the script. <laughs> yeah. And especially, shall I say, the script that you felt was so much larger than life or very important to you. Yeah. I'm curious whether any insecurities, is there any internal dialogue happening? Like, Are you kidding? Is it like, <laughs> Till, Please tell me, tell me, tell me. tomorrow, it's like all the time that you get something. What happens? What do you say? Okay, so... Do you have imposter syndrome like the rest of us? Wait, okay, so first of all, yeah. I can't tell you that I remember what it was like the first time I held a script. I just yeah. remember, and this was with Aikyo Sakyadua, you know, back on campus. Yeah. You wanted us to do something. I remember thinking, well, give me the script. Let me read through the thing. Let me see the character yeah. that I like. And then that's the one I will do. <laughs> I will you know, and the framing of the mind for that tells you that, you know, at the time I was not ready for there are certain things in a character that are not going to be stuff that you like. So yeah. approaching, you know, scripts and stuff is not a, oh, this is the one I like, I want to do. No, whatever yeah. journey that character is going to go through, you have to be ready for the, I guess, 360 you know, yeah. effect of that. And some of it you're not going to like, but the important yeah. thing is you have to understand and I guess yeah. empathize, you know. But that was my thinking then. And, yeah. you know, from then till now, I promise you, like, it is still one of the scariest things to do. Really? Yes, it is. It is scary because... Is it when you get the scripts or when you're actually delivering the lines? No, no, when you get the script. Oh, when you get the script. Yeah, because when you get the script and you've read this thing, <laughs> first few things that are flashing through your mind is, okay, do I have this experience? Do I know what this thing is about? Do I know anybody who has been through this kind of thing? And if you don't, it's like, okay, so how do you want to act this out? And you want it believable enough that people actually believe that this is possible. You know, yeah. and then obviously there are things you're grappling with, depending on what kind of script is it, it is. Are these believable lines? You know, do they sound yeah. like real scenarios? And then again, yeah. this is all genre based, depending if it's sci-fi, you know, yeah, those things are, you know, they're not mm. believable stuff. But when it comes to stuff yeah. like drama and romance, you know, and so you have all these, like you're, you're worried, like, and you're worried about, this is just a script level. When you get to performance level, that's another level of worry. Oh, my God. Honestly, because this is you wondering, am I doing justice to it? And I'm yeah. saying, you know, even down to when it's now released, you are, I'm, we're frantic. <laughs> <laughs> As we say, with a fear, you're afraid <laughs> because <laughs> it's like, hey, God, do... How are the people going Will it to be take well it? Received? Will it be well received? You know, and then this is outside you judging yourself when you see yourself on the screen and just be like, oh, nah, you know, try beforehand here. You could have done this better. Yeah. So yeah. it is co a constant roller coaster of emotions, you know, because you are constantly second guessing yourself. Constantly. Yeah. From when you get the script till when it really? is released. It's insane. I can imagine that it must be quite tough then to have all this that you're processing internally mm -hmm. and then to receive judgment from people who don't understand <laughs> you, understand your process or understand, sh shall I say, the profession and they just like pass judgment just offhandedly just because they can. You know... How does this not damage you? You know, it is... Or how you feel? I guess this is one of the things that you learn, you know, as you progress in the business. And the reason I say that is... You start learning very quickly that art is subjective 
and everyone has an opinion yeah and ultimately you have to develop the aspects of you that appreciates feedback whether constructive or destructive that is an absolutely important layer that you must add to your craft as an actor it is yeah. almost as important as learning your lines and performing on sets because yeah. you have to understand that these are the choices that I've made but someone is going to see it and not agree with you yeah. and it's okay and i'll be honest with you i try to avoid you know looking at those you know those remarks i take yeah. in as much as i can and then yeah. I shut down the rest, especially also because yeah. it's important to get that feedback because you kind of need to be, you know, shape-shifting with your career and kind of yeah. figuring out how yeah. to balance. But you have to yeah. know where to, you know, turn that draw tap off, exactly, draw the line and just be okay with, okay, I've heard enough. I appreciate you yeah. guys. And then, you know, on to the next one. Nice. You know. I think that's very helpful. Yeah. I have another question about entertainment, the arts. Yeah. And African, shall I say, we're both Nigerian, so let's just say the Nigerian mindset. Right. I was born in the 80s. As I was. Were you born in the 80s? As was I. So I'm sure you can (laughs) relate to what I'm about to say. (laughs) Nowadays, it's more accepted, you know, entertainment, being an artist, and those things. And I will pull from my experience. When I was early teenage years, there was a girl in my school, and she said, I could never forget this word, she said, when I grow up, <laughs> I'm already laughing. Oh boy! Oh boy! I want to be an actress, and I want to be married to a footballer. Oh! And everyone treated her like a leper. Oh! Like you must be deranged. Something is wrong with your brain. Right. Like how are you even existing? Right. That was how she was looked at. Right. Because the arts was something that was so looked down on. Yeah. This is early. 90s? Yeah. Well, we've gone a long way from that. Yes, we have. And so, did you have that kind of experience in your childhood or your teenage years where the perception of being in entertainment or being a, an artist was like, what are you talking about? You have to go study something, you know, engineering, right. law, right. doctor. <laughs> yeah, he's a doctor, a lawyer. <laughs> Exactly. You have to be a doctor. All our parents then, there were only three professions that were worthy of. Doctor, lawyer, and... An engineer. engineer. That's it now. Engineer. Yeah, engineer. Now, you, you know, and after that, anything that disgrace that. to the family. Yeah, disgrace to <laughs> your ancestors. <laughs> oh did you God. ever have that? And how did you shape your life in spite of all that constant feedback? You know, I always thought I was going to be a doctor. Really? Yes. That's what I thought I was going to be. Oh, my God. And you must... You would have made an excellent doctor. I don't know. I, the reason why I say... I think you would have, because you're good with people. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate you saying that. I guess, you know, now that I think about it, it was also important for this business I'm doing now, because I often say to my friends that our business is maybe 70% of the time people management. You know, yeah. So I appreciate that you're saying that. These are the only professions we know. Yeah, you know, <laughs> doctor, lawyer, engineer. And you can imagine the shock for me when I realized that there were courses like microbiology yeah. and marine science that I studied, you know, <laughs> yeah. and zoology. I'm just like, sorry, what are these, you know? 
<laughs> but I wanted to be a doctor because, again, these are the only things you knew. But I figured, you know, it'd be great. My yeah. mother never asked, you know, whether, you know, I had some sort of proof, you know, I guess to show my mom that what I was doing was working out, yeah. Yeah. you know. So that's, for me, I guess at the point, that was what was more important so it wasn't so much yeah. a you know oh my god i'm getting pressure about not being a doctor no fortunately yeah. for me I, I wasn't exposed to that it was just a so now that i want to do this they have to be able to prove to my mom that you know this thing is actually going to make a life for it's me <laughs> that's important exactly i remember i remember my father saying to me you know it was it was the same in my family where it was all about intellect and what you're studying right and school and the idea of anything beyond doctor, like my father badly wanted one of the kids to be a doctor. <laughs> and I looked him in the face, I was still a child, and I said, you know what, you have four kids, perhaps one of them will be a doctor. <laughs> you just need to know that it would never be. I don't want you to, you know, I was young then, this is one of the first times I actually... And I wasn't angry or rude. I, I was very young. Right. And my father was a You know, you've always been man. this super composed person. So my brain is imagining you in all your composure. Yes, the was, he never mentioned it again. <laughs> I, was, I don't think I was even 10. I was like, wow. I said, you have four kids, daddy. Let's just hash this up now. So <laughs> it doesn't go on for too long. You have four children. Right. That's fine. Okay, so... What would you say to people of our generation who now have children but still have the mindset that art and entertainment is somehow inferior right. and they want their child to like live up to their own expectations and follow a more traditional path? Thank you. Yeah. What would you say to them? Like having now having been through everything you've been through right. and being in your position in life now. You know, I guess I, I would ask them to, you know, flash back on their younger experiences, you know, yeah. because what is the point of talking about history and talking about all of these things if you don't understand how you have you have now become a part of history because you have lived 30, 40 years on this earth, 40 of those have gone you have had an experience and some of those experiences with your forebears were not the most enjoyable experience. So why do you want to revisit, yeah, to pass it on. you know, that sort of thing to your, and again, just from a, I guess from just a dialogue point of view, cause it's, it's also that thing where it's like, I understand the intent. You want the best for your kid. Yeah. You know, it makes sense to always want the best yeah. for your children, but ultimately yeah. they have to live those lives. You know, and I guess also it's the thing where it's like, even if you don't have any of that experience, then draw from the experiences of all the people that you surrounded yourself, Around, you yeah. know, with. Because, yeah, people who thought their children were going to be, you know, pastors' kids who, you know, became wayward or whatnot, you know. So yeah. you do your best to give them all the tools, but ultimately... Yeah. It's their decision to figure out, you know, where they want to go. And then the best you can hope for is that you guide them and that you yeah. will always be a part of their story. Yeah. Because there's nothing worse than when they become who they become, they cannot attribute some of that success 
to what you did for them. And that's what legacy is about, which is what at this age, I dare say a lot of us are looking for what has, what is my legacy or what is my legacy going to be and what have I contributed before I leave. So if anything, you know, make sure that, you know, they, they, they make you part of that story. I do agree. What I do say to parents sometimes or people who are related to others. Right perhaps younger who are struggling and want to do something well it's not good enough you should do this particular job or follow this particular career i like to say you have to trust that you raised them well enough Mm. to make the right decisions and that also puts some of the responsibility in the hands of the parent that you have to trust that you raise your child solid enough to exist in this world and to thrive in spite of everything that world is going through you can't keep making the decisions for them because then if it goes right then it goes right but if it goes wrong they are the ones who are going to bear that consequence and uh, i couldn't have said it better honestly (laughs) (laughs) who knows whether whether it made any impact but that's how i see it like you have to trust that you i think you probably hit the most the most important element ever (laughs) is trusting that you raise them right you have to trust that you raise them. Uh, like, like in my family, we all went to boarding house. Yeah. And now that I'm, I'm an adult, people are like, oh my god, boarding house is so horrible. How could your parents do that to you? But we went through the boarding house and we came out very close knit. You know, extremely close knit. Like, I like boarding house. Disciplined. Yeah. yeah. Very disciplined. Very. Yeah. Very connected to our culture, yeah. heritage, family. I don't know how that is. And I, I, I'm like, my parents just raised us a certain way and stayed with us even when we were not, when they were not there. Right. Watching over exactly. our shoulders. What are you doing? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> you went to a boarding house. Too, I right? went to a boarding house for six <laughs> nice. years. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So which one? Uh, Federal Government College, Ijaniki, in Lagos. Oh, you guys were the posh, posh, posh. <laughs> no, I don't know. Federal Government College. <laughs> I went to Mayflower, and Mayflower students used to yap uh, Federal Government College students. Wait, Mayflower is one of them private ones now. Now, yes. Yeah, sure, it wasn't always <laughs> private. I think it was always private. Oh, it was always private, yeah. and then it became, the government bought it over, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, but that school was hard, eh? <laughs> it was like, uh, make a lot of Anybody who went to Mayflower knows what Mayflower was like. So oh, my God. I think if you have a cup of, um, how do I want to say? I don't want to say stuff. That's too <laughs> <laughs> if you came to the world and there was a cup of, a mouth of, you're about to say, yeah. You know what, yeah, means? No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, translated English to suffering, but it's just more than that. Yeah, it's like <laughs> The amount of pepper that the angels have dedicated to you. In this life. Oh my god. Like a cup will run it over. <laughs> <laughs> your guardian angel asked for a second cup just to keep your cup. <laughs> that cup will run over. <laughs> oh my god. I spent 12 years in that school. Oh my god. 12 solid years, I think. What yeah, my, are you saying? My 12 solid years. So I'm quiet now. I don't talk much, but I paid my dues. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> okay, now we're understanding why you're a quiet and composed person. <laughs> I've paid my dues. Yeah. Yeah, shaking. Oh, my yeah. God. 
you wake up at five fifteen to a, a whistle. Yeah. You don't wake up. You don't wake up. <laughs> you leap out of bed. You see, you're giving me flashbacks. I swear. You leap out of bed. The whistle will You leap out of bed. Wear your dollop slippers in like thirty seconds. Fly out into the cold, and you start running. <laughs> you're running around a huge field. Football field. Wait, what are you running for? Like, this is a morning exercise to keep your body. Oh, okay, (laughs) to wake up (laughs) in case you are still in la la land somewhere. (laughs) Your body, your soul, and your spirit has to integrate. Like, you need to wake up, right? Oh my god, with flowers. Spent 12 years in this. Wow, yeah, you just you know gave me some serious (laughs) flashbacks, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, with flowers, thing. Oh, see, yes, why did you leave Nigeria? It's the word coincidental. I think that might be the word. Because again, you know, like I told you in the beginning, I always wanted an international career. But I honestly did not know what that looked like. But I did realize at some points, and again, this is with all due respect to my industry, everything that I know, everything that I've learned, you know, I think that I have been cooked in the furnaces of Nigeria. When I went to LA and I did this uh, diploma course in acting for film, when I came back to Nigeria, I was already plotting my extra exit strategy from then. I was going to go to UCLA. I was going to do, um, what's it called, an acting course. I figured this thing out. I'd do the one-year course. I'd do a six-month, I think it was called an OPT, optical practical training or something like that. Yeah. And then the next year, you, you could work in the industry. And I was going to use that two and a half years and just plug myself into the business. That was my plan. And then I won this award, the AMVCs, and it was the inaugural one, and it was the first time I got that much spotlight in Africa. So that sort of changed that plan for me. So I did think that as at that point, our industry was not growing fast enough. What was that like? What did you struggle with when you, when you had to leave and when you finally arrived? Right. What did you struggle with? I will preface this by saying that because I'd been coming out to film festivals in different countries, I had a sense of what the market was like. Yeah. Thankfully, I also have like a really small, you know, group of friends, MM Emma being one of them, you know, who we, we'd have these conversations, you know, about what the industry is like outside of here, you know? And then I guess, just seeing what is happening on a global scale kind of prepares your mind for what you're going to face when you're going to an, you know, a market like this in terms of whether it's just being black because being Nigeria is one thing. On the world yeah. stage, you're black, you know? So, yes. You know what I mean? Yes. So it sort of prepared my mind and I wanted to preface, you know, that's, you know, but I think that some of the challenges that I face and I guess still facing you know, is, I think maybe top of that is skill sets. Now, when I say skill sets, it's a, in their culture, from when you start growing up, you know, they find ways to, you kind of keep yourself active and, and, you know, get whether it's summer gigs or summer jobs or stuff, you know, or they've been a lot more exposed in terms of the things that they learn and pick up and just, you know, play around whether it's on computers and stuff and you and I know for me who was born in the 80s it took me a while before I got a laptop of my own if you came from certain families you could afford that if you came from other families you couldn't 
you know. Yeah. And you and I know that even at the time, there was a period when you have to go to an internet cafe to access, you know, computers, yeah. you know. For sure. And you do not realize how much of a difference that makes, you know, when you come from a society like that versus when you're in a society where there's been a lot more access and so a lot more exposure to, you know, things, you know, whether it, and, you know, things that they were just doing, whether for summer jobs or just doing in, in their pastime or in their basements or whatever, you know, that eventually become important skills or life skills yeah. that leads yeah. you into aspects of work to do. I never had that. Everything that, you know, I sort of eventually did were all like performance based, you know, sing, you know, ads, you know, I used to write poetry for a bit, but I never really, you know, developed that. And yeah. there are people who have gone from developing that into writing, whether it is for commercials or writing, you know, or, yeah. you know, whatever category of writing you fall into. But I never de developed that. And so when I came here, I realized that I didn't have a lot of skills because I'm coming to the creative markets. You have to you realize that in trying to plug yourself in the creative markets, you still have your everyday necessities. Oh, that, which is another really big one. You know, when you come what in, are everyday necessities? Yeah. When you come into a society where it's like, <laughs> you know, there are everyday bills to take care of, which is very different from the society you come from. Um, and I guess in terms of whether it is price points, value of currency, all these things make a difference. And the reason I say that is as an actor back home, if I made some money from a gig, some of that money, depending on how much it was, can run me for a bit. And so there are certain things I don't have to worry about. Also, as a society, yeah. there are things like, you know, you pay your rent once a year. So when you have that yeah. bulk sum, you pay that off. You don't have to worry about it for a whole year. You know, yeah. meanwhile, when you cross over here, you have to pay this every month. You know, yeah. if it's down to things like phone bills or internet bills, you have monthly, you know, bills yeah. that we sort of set up very differently <coughs> as a society in Nigeria. That once you make a bulk sum, you, know, you make bulk sum, you sort of, you know, take care of that. But then you come over here and yeah. realize that your daily expenses is an actual thing. Yeah. And Again, based on the way the societies differ, you know, people are very independent on this side. Hi guys, it's It's Your Rights Am I Here? I want to thank you so much for watching because if you're here and you're seeing this, it means you watch the show all the way to the end. And you have my thanks. If you like the content, if you thought it was helpful to you or to somebody else, please don't forget to like, comment and subscribe and also to share it amongst other people that could benefit from it. We're a really young channel and we're really hoping to grow and attract other expatriates, other international business professionals, other immigrants who are thriving in business and dominating globally. We're trying to attract them to come on the show and share their experiences, their knowledge, their wisdom that can be helpful for others who share a similar context to them. So until next time, enjoy yourself, enjoy your life, enjoy your work.